Welcome back, everyone, to the Power for All podcast, a forum for leaders working to end energy poverty. I'm William Brent. In this episode, we are speaking with Harriet Lamb, the CEO of Ashton, a pioneer in the fight against climate change and a longtime promoter of sustainable energy. Since starting in 2001, the highly regarded Ashton Awards has received hundreds of applications from innovators in energy access, as well as other categories spanning livelihoods, finance, system change, transportation, and cities. 2020 winners of the Ashton Awards will be announced on July 2nd, so be sure to tune in. Before we get started, a reminder that you can find a wealth of sector news, analysis, and data on our website, powerforall.org, as well as our platform for energy access knowledge. And if you have news or a perspective to share, we're always interested in contributions. Also, be sure to subscribe to our monthly newsletter from our homepage. And if you support our mission to end energy poverty faster, we welcome tax-deductible donations to our campaign as well. With that, welcome Harriet. Hello, William. Great to be talking to you. Likewise. Thanks so much for being here. So next year, as I mentioned, is the 20th anniversary of the Ashton Awards. So much has happened in the past two decades in sustainable energy. And I'm wondering if you can describe from the Ashton perspective some of the macro trends in innovation uh, that you've seen uh, over the time, uh, over that time specific to energy access? Oof, well, I guess over 20 years, we've seen an absolute transformation. I mean, it wasn't really a sector 20 years ago. Energy access was a gleam in the eye of some very brave pioneers. And since those early days, we've seen an absolute mushroom of small and medium-sized enterprises now providing off-grid electricity to 470 million people, and actually also employing a lot of people, sort of 370,000 people working in the sector. So it really is now a substantial sector that is bringing power to people for the first time and has those reaches right out into the communities. It's very, it's really decentralized uh, and able to reach the most vulnerable and marginalized people. And on the other hand, we have to also say that it's still a young and a vulnerable sector that is, of course, being whacked by coronavirus. And at the same time, we've also got some sort of stubborn areas. We've still got a billion people without access to energy. We know that women are still persistently being left behind. And in particular, clean cooking, for example, remains a sector where we've still seen four million people, women and children overwhelmingly, dying every year from indoor air pollution because they don't have access to the power or the appliances they need. So there are some really knotty problems still to solve. But there's so many innovators in this sector that I think we feel with the right support and the right finance, we can get over this terrible crisis because of coronavirus and come onto the front foot in tackling those remaining hurdles. That's great. I think it's a great overview uh, of both the advances that have been made, but also the remaining challenges, Harriet. Um, and maybe that, that allows us to talk briefly about the current uh, innovation that you're seeing at Ashton. I think this year there are 22 finalists for the, this, uh, this year's awards. Um, and I'm sure you had a multitude of applications besides those 22 finalists. I'm curious, what are some of the emerging trends in, in energy access uh, that we're seeing today um, and that are represented by this year's finalists? 
Yeah, thanks, William. And um, as you say, we had the most amazing lineup of incredible organisations really pushing at the boundaries. And uh, do join us when we, with the drum roll, find out who has won this year. And I guess there's a number of trends. One is very welcome shift to a real systems-wide approach. Um, to give you one example of one of the organisations shortlisted is the country of Togo, where they've got a really ambitious plan that brings together the private sector and the public sector to say, how can we really reach every village in the country with a very um, diversified approach, saying sometimes it's right to help people get on grid, sometimes it's right to create mini grids in a village, sometimes it's right just to get down to the household level with solar kits. That's a really interesting example. And um, Actually, also really thrilled to say the focus that Togo put on women and having women engineers leading this program. So I think that sort of systemic approach is something we see uh, coming through. I think we also see in the same sort of vein, people really looking much more at where does energy connect with other sectors? So if you like trying to get that more holistic approach from another viewpoint, and I know that's for all you've done a lot of work on this the sort of coming together of energy and health energy and agriculture and I think we see that theme playing out a lot it's when people are really looking at how do we drive the change uh, within a particular sector so that for example and I know you're doing a great campaign on how can we get power out to all health centres in India, for example, that coming together of two viewpoints, I think, is really another key part of the future. I think another trend really welcome, which is it's interesting, you've got the systemic and then you've also got the, the real drive for decentralised, democratised approaches. Uh, and to give you an example there of one of the shortlisted organisations is SolShare in Bangladesh, who've come up with this brilliant solar box so that you're really creating a little neighbourhood energy network. And uh, if I can afford a solar panel, I can sell my energy to you. If you can't afford to even have a panel, you can still buy from me. So there's a, a double benefit and real strength and resilience, I think, in those kind of really decentralised approaches, even with the most marginalised people. And we were really thrilled this year to run an award for the first time for uh, energy access in humanitarian situations. We hadn't done it before. We weren't sure what response we would get. And honestly, applications poured in from amazing organisations working in such difficult situations with refugees in Syria and Haiti and Afghanistan, Somalia, Yemen. I'm in an extraordinary roll call of once again, these real innovators and pioneers ready to go to the last mile. So one of the things I love about the awards uh, is that it, it, it really does look at it from a holistic perspective. And, you know, it's government, it's private sector, it's civil society, um, it's non-energy sectors, uh, it's innovation, um, technology, business model. I think it's uh, wonderful that you're also... Uh, evolving to to grow as the sector grows. So kudos to to Ashton for that. Thank you. And I th I think that's the only way we're going to make it. We, it's the start of the climate decade. We've got ten years to crack this, uh, or we're really in even deeper trouble. 
uh, as a global community. So the, the, it's the need for those holistic approaches is, is becoming only ever stronger. And I think you do see more and more of those partnerships coming up where people are ready to join hands across what would have been divides and walls. People are saying, oh, no, no, it's not that energy is in a little box in the corner. It's absolutely central to how communities, for example, can tackle poverty or improve health. So I think that is a, a trend globally and a very welcome and timely one too. Yeah, from your words to, to God's ears. I, I, it's what I call radical collaboration. I think we need uh, a lot more of it. Yeah. Um, on the, but Ashton, I mean, you're, a, you're an organization that's been around for a long time and I know you don't do only the awards. So I'm curious what other work uh, you're doing to promote innovation and energy, energy access or other areas, for that matter? Well, it's really interesting. I mean, we, we did sort of sit around and think, we have got 10 years left. What can we do to scale up our impact? Uh, so one of the things we want to do is actually sort of scale up the extent to which we're able to put the spotlight on and share some of the pioneers. And that's a new piece of work we've just started, for example, in cooling, because that's a sector that's been very uh, under under the table, if you like, and, and much less acknowledged as an issue. But of course, as the world warms up, there's more and more need for people to be able to cool down to actually survive. And of course, the worst thing is when people are in a position to and they whack on the air conditioning, which consumes enormous amounts of power and is emitting more carbon and adding to global warming. So you're in a vicious circle unless we do something to address it. Uh, and so that's why we're really looking at how can we scale up our uh, search for innovations in cooling and really spread the word about them. And once again, we've got some great finalists coming in there um, with innovative ideas about how can you take approaches within a whole city, for example, or right down to the level of how can you design housing for farm workers so that they're not having to be uh, so exposed to the heat and but can use much more natural and passive ways of cooling down buildings and cooling down whole cities. I think the other thing we're very keen to do uh, in Ashton Moore is to share more of the insights that we gain through this process of scouring the world, the front runners in energy access uh, and in climate solutions more generally. And so actually, we hope to be bringing out a report in just a few weeks about better work and what kind of work is it that will help us build back better from this terrible coronavirus crisis? What will help us to build back better in a way that also tackles climate change? Because we've seen through our awards process so many examples of brilliant work that people are doing. And one of the big trends we've pulled out and one of them actually is that more holistic approach where you don't just provide work or provide, for example, solar dryers to women entrepreneurs. It's about making sure if you do provide solar dryers, you're also giving a whole package of training for those women in how to become entrepreneurs and helping linking them to market. Or another trend we highlight is about the importance of cooperatives and cooperative working and looking at more and more examples of that as some of the new economic models of the future. And I think the final point is going to what you just said, um, William, back to the real importance of this radical collaboration. I think it's more and more about 
using the amazing networks that we're all very privileged to have, but really sort of putting them on steroids and making sure that that collaboration is going on at a wholly another level and that we're able to create change ourselves and influence governments. We've got the COP26 in a November 2021 now. You know, what, how can we create a mandate for governments then to really make the big, bold changes we need to see? That's very exciting, Harriet. And you know that we're here to uh, support you when those reports come out and make sure that they receive uh, a wide audience. And maybe we'll, who knows, maybe we'll do another podcast. And just to re uh, remind you, if you haven't seen our Powering Jobs uh, work and the research that we started in 2019 that really starts to quantify uh, the jobs potential from energy access. Absolutely. And I, I thought that was so important, William, because now more than ever, if governments are going to put money into kickstarting the economy again after coronavirus, your arguments about jobs, I thought, come in brilliantly to say this is a sector where you can really help generate local jobs much more efficiently and effectively than just pumping money back into fossil fuels, for example. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks, Harriet. I appreciate you joining us today so much. And again, to our listeners out there, be sure to tune in on July 2nd to find out the winners of the 2020 Ashton Awards. And to learn more, you can also go to ashton.org. Harriet, thank you so much. And we look forward to growing our partnership with you in the future and, and doing lots of great things together. Thank you so much, William, and congratulations on all that PAF will do.